Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Uh, welcome to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty DeFaro, filmed here every Thursday at 9 p.m. out of the great indie music studio. At the board is the super producer, Matthew Ice. Matty, how are you? Happy St. Patrick's Day, my friend. Happy St. Patty's Day to you, too. I'm... D- Ugh, excuse me, I'm doing all right. Hell of an intro there, Farrell. Good job. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting tired of hearing the bell, but yeah, thanks, man. So much going on in the world. Looks like World War Three is imminent, but this isn't about this. We're not going to discuss this at this point. We're going to talk about what we're calling remembrance, regret, and rebirth. I want to recognize the passing of two men to start the show. And I want to open up with a very close friend of the show that maybe people didn't know, uh, Mr. J.J. McGuire. J.J. was known for his role with the Gentries and later became a songwriter with Jimmy Hart for the WWE theme songs and the WCW theme songs. Um, J.J. Um, and Monty DeFaro made our acquaintance a couple of years back when the show first started and J.J. came on and then... Uh, we closely became very, very close friends, uh, spoke to J.J. often, and um, losing him was very painful for me and you. Yeah. Um, he, was, he, he was always a good guy, and uh, you know, when I had my health issues, he checked on me literally at least two times a week. He always had great things to say. He always was a kind soul, didn't like drama, and uh, to be shocked, you know, to find out of his passing was just very, very un- unexpected. He was very excited to come to the new studio and perform. Uh, COVID hit, and uh, finally it had passed, and I had spoken to him about maybe two weeks ago. And he was really excited to come into studio. We were making plans. He wanted to perform, and he wanted to perform at Wisteria Hall, which he had done before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, you know, for people that didn't know J.J., look him up. The guy had a really storied life. And if you're a wrestling fan, you know, he's the guy that, you know, wrote Sexy Boy and the Demolition Theme. And unfortunately for him, um, you know, Jimmy Hart as being as a big of an icon in wrestling is gets a lot of that credit. Right. And then, J- you know, Johnston also. Right. So JJ, right. but JJ never had anything bad to say about that. He no. always was very, uh, very complimentary. complimentary. He, w- he was a, he was a really good guy. I mean, like truly good, you know, like, like you said, he wasn't into controversy. He wasn't a shit talker. He always had a positive uh, outlook. I was shocked. Obviously, I didn't. I, what is going on? I mean, what? I didn't see this coming at all. Um, the thing that really excited me a lot, of course, you know, it's one thing to be involved as lifelong wrestling fans and get to talk to all our wrestling heroes, but also to be a lifelong musician and get to talk to the guy who wrote "Sexy Boy." Right. Hey, what are we talking here? You know, JJ was a great, great, great musician. You know, for those of you who who knew him personally, you already know this. But, I mean, his body of work, of course, too, speaks for itself between Sexy Boy and Demolition and so many other songs that he was behind. And, yes, he was the the Johnson before Johnson, uh, you know, in the the business. And and Jimmy Hart does seem to get a lot of that credit. And rightfully so. I mean, Jimmy Hart's Jimmy Hart. 
and he wrote a lot of the you know the words and stuff for uh, and and JJ would supply that incredible guitar. I think the guitar solo in Sexy Boy is one of the best placed guitar solos I've ever heard. You know when Sean would twirl around, sure. he would wait for that solo to come when he would start spinning his arms around and stuff. And yeah, it was like, oh my god, what a great solo. What a great guy. And when he came to Wisteria Hall Studios the last time he was here in New York, he had not played the drums in years. And he just sat behind the kit and started slapping out rhythms. You could just see he's a natural musician. He was just very talented and a very sweet man. And one of the few that would actually call regularly, you know. And that was a beautiful thing, too. He was a really nice guy. And uh, rest in peace because... Uh, uh, he's the only one I've ever seen of his kind. He was really one of a kind, J.J. B-40 says he hopes he got some of those publishing rights. Um, I'm sure he did. I mean, I spoke to him numerous times. Yeah. The one thing about yeah, J.J., he was okay from what, uh, we brought him to the big event as one of our guests. Mm. And uh, the joy on his the face. The joy. When he got to see a lot of his old friends. Yes. I felt really good about that, that, you know, hooking up with the show and then coming down to New York. He got to see... He was so overjoyed. He was like a kid in, in school again with his buddies. You know? You I, could see the joy on his face. I remember when he came... He went into, like... So if anyone's been to the big event here in New York, right? You got these side rooms and mm -hmm. then, you know, some of the bigger stars are in their own rooms and mm -hmm. then there's a whole floor where everybody... Like a whole bunch of stars in there. But long story short, he got a picture with Tessa Blanchard. He was so excited about that picture with Tessa Blanchard. He couldn't <laughs> stop showing it to me. Yeah. And uh, you're right. Uh, he, he was a great guy, and I'm glad that through this show, as uh, the guest that we have on that will be coming on shortly, you know, we, we, we found some friends in this. And yeah. you know what? It's, uh, it's good stuff. And if you had told me 30 years ago that I'd be performing Sexy Boy with the guy who wrote the freaking song, I would have said you're out of your mind. I would have said you're out so of your mind. So miracles do, do happen, you know? <clears throat> Great guy. Great guy. Also, uh, everybody knows by this point, mm. uh, Scott Hall passed away earlier this week, um, suffered three heart attacks after having hip surgery. <clears throat> um, thoughts on Scott Hall? Wow. Um very interesting history with Scott Hall. Um, before I ever met him, during the 90s, and this is the highest compliment I could pay him, and I know you're about to go, what? But you know that when the NWO was at their height, you know who my favorite member was? It was Scott Hall. Mm. It, wasn't even, it wasn't even our beloved favorite all-time Hulk. It was Scott Hall. There was something about Scott Hall that was irreversibly cool. I mean, if anybody defined cool... It was Razor Ramon slash the Scott Hall from the NWO. This guy was irreversibly, immaculately cool. And I adored him. He was probably in my top three during the whole 90s as far as the guys I loved the most. And then we got back in touch with each other, and you took me to a show in Deer Park, local promotion, doing a show, and Scott Hall was appearing at the show. And you remember the, the, how strange this was. While well, we were online waiting to meet him, and I struck a conversation with him. I had never met him before. And we started talking about his son, Cody, who at the time was in Japan and had recently been injured. I, you know, I started asking him about his son because I was into New Japan. And he starts talking to me so engaged that he tells me to come around the table. You know, let's not hold up the line. Come, come over here and talk with me. And you're looking at me like, what happened? Right. You know, I mean, just a great dude. 
You know, I was like, wow. I mean, he, he like met every expectation I ever had. You know, I talked with him for a good 10, 15 minutes. And then I felt bad that I was taking up the fans' time. So I excused myself from around the table. That's how engaging he was. And then we had him on. Year, what, several years later, we actually had him on our show. Right. You know, and at the time, I think we both said this too. Maybe we were being hypersensitive. We could, we could talk real, right? I mean, mm, you sure, know, maybe we were being hi- hypersensitive. But I started thinking about it this week when... when well, I think you got to give the fans a little insight, right? Well, well so, I was sc- going to get into this, like, go some of the details and some of the insight as to, you know, why, you know, Scott just passed away this week. And I started thinking about this. Now, this show was two, maybe two years ago. Is that fair to say? Fair enough. Okay. You know, when he got out of the car... He was he was in pain. He was obviously like, oh my god, that ride, you know. And he was like, you know, bitching about how long it took to get there and stuff like that. And he wasn't in the best of moods. And at the time, it was such a striking contrast to the Scott Hall we had met at that show a few years earlier. So I was like, whoa, this is a totally different person. I was like, what's going on here? But of course, when the camera went on, I thought he gave us a great interview. Right? I thought it was pretty much killer. Uh, and then afterwards, he basically jetted out of there, and we were disappointed, you know. But I, I thought well, about I think, it, though. You know, but why were time, you disappointed? Just well, because? I was disappo- yeah, I was disappointed. Well, like we would hope to have gotten a promo out of him or something. You know, there was a few things we were hoping to, you know, to see if he could help us out with and stuff like that. You know, uh, he, he came a long way, and, and uh, he wanted to get out of there, you know. But, I mean, my reasoning now... To the whole thing was is you know you start to realize the man just passed away at 63 we saw him at 61 who knows what kind of shape he was in that day or how he was feeling right you know i don't know if his hip was already starting to you know some people carry around these hip things for years sure. I, I actually know a person who did you know so who knows how how tired he was or run down he was or aggravated he was just from being schlepped around who knows well i, I will you say know? he gave he gave a great interview he did he um, did you know, just last and he week, had fun with us too. Just you know? just last week, we were talking about being in the penthouse, right? The penthouse right. of wrestlers. Right. And right. Yeah. We're too you rough. asked about Scott Hall, yeah, we're too and rough. I, I said no. Yeah, we too rough. But <laughs> after seeing how many people care about Scott Hall, yeah, yeah, and impact I on said, the business you know what? too. <laughs> That's a whole this guy probably does deserve to be in the penthouse. <laughs> yeah, with a golden toothpick. Here, here's that's what Kevin Nash asked. Here, asked here's the asked, thing I got from Scott for. Hall. Okay. Mm. Oh, when he's, Scott, he's so great. When Scott oh, yeah. Hall was right, he was right. Oh yeah. Meaning, this guy knew wrestling. Oh yeah. Of all the NWO members, this guy could wrestle. Right. This guy can do a great interview. Oh yeah. Yeah. He so, had his demons, like many of us do. We we talked about that earlier. Yep. Um, yep. But the one good thing about Scott Hall, he was able to conquer those demons. Yet, be it a short time. Right. He was able to conquer it. Right. You know, who's to say maybe if he didn't have the problems. Right, that he had maybe right. this wouldn't have happened because of a broken hip. We don't right. know. Right. I will tell you this: Scott Hall made a difference in people's lives. Yep. He was an icon in yep. the sport that he chose. Mm-hmm. Was he perfect? No. But who is perfect? Right. Um, you know, oddly enough, and eerily enough, during our interview with him, he almost drew a parallel to Mickey Mantle. Remember when he said? Give Mickey Mantle a liver, it's Mickey Mantle. He said, if I, if I had known that I would have made it this long, I would have treated my body better just like Mickey Mantle. Right. He's like, well, if Mickey Mantle needs a liver, give him a liver, it's Mickey Mantle. You know, it was funny, but Scott was actually talking about himself too. He's comparing himself to Mickey. And sadly enough, Mickey passed away in his early 60s, and now we have Scott passing away. It's almost like he was foreshadowing something. But you know what? When you look, at, when you look at a life lived... 
What a he life. He changed an industry. Oh, God. He was an icon in the sport. Oh, Lord. He legend. had so many fans that loved him. Yep. And you know what? Captain he gave cool. the fans lots to talk about. Good, bad, or indifferent, For right? For sure. He oh, changed yeah. people's lives. He did. Changed, so, you know what? Business. Tip that hat, Scott Hall. Absolutely. You'll be missed. Yeah. You're an icon. One of the greats. Uh, and he's always going to be one of my favorites, too. So Maybe one day you and JJ will get together, have a, have a beer upstairs, and uh, the gentleman we'll talk about shortly with John Cena, Dan Marotti, will maybe get his dream interview yeah. and be able to get Scott Hall. In heaven, right? Probably got killer equipment up there, too. There you go. You know? I'd like to thank the band that sings the theme song for Monty Nefaro, our own band, Wisteria Hall, with lead singer along with great guitarist Bart Griggs. Make up that band. Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as In My Dreams, This Life, Not Far Behind, Here Comes the Rain. You can find their music on the Wisteria Hall YouTube page. Spotify, iTunes, I'm sorry, Apple Music, and Reverb Nation. <laughs> I want to thank Wisteria Hall personally for putting that tribute out in the beginning of the show uh, for J.J. McGuire. Yeah. Um, again, well, enough, that was filmed the day that Scott died, and I actually almost, he, he was in my thoughts too during it. I, um, I'm still not over the fact that J.J. is not with us anymore, yeah. and... Uh, I'm still thinking about him, so that video was yeah. a great I think tribute. I think J.J. would have liked it. He wouldn't have liked it. He would have loved it. He would have liked it. You are watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. Catch us on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page, the Monty Nefaro Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Catch us on the Monty Nefaro Twitch TV page, and if you're lucky in New York, Join the 97,000 fans who watch us weekly on Channel 115 every oh. Tuesday at 9.30 and Saturday at 11.30. And catch us on Channel 20 Tuesdays at 1 a.m. where you'll see our special guest, John Cena Sr., in a reduced version of the show. We want to thank Amazon Music for making Monty Nefaro part of their network. And we'll be right back with who we can be lucky enough to call a friend, yeah. Mr. John Cena Sr. You can see him. See you in a sec. Tired of that same old, same old breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same old tasting scrambled eggs, burger, that dinner steak, ribs, or pork chops. Why not add a little bit of spice or just a touch of heat to make the difference? Change that scrambled egg with a little bit of Johnny Fabulous's John Cena Sr.'s Million Dollar Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Great on burgers, steaks, chops, and those barbecued ribs. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty DeFaro, seen here only out of Indie Music TV. Welcoming Mr. John Cena Sr. John, how are you, my friend? As always, I'm fabulous. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. 
No, sir, it's our honor. And uh, first I'd like to open up and say our personal condolences to the loss of your friend, Mr. Dan Marotti. That's pretty tough. It's pretty tough because um, I just finished a telephone uh, interview with him. Uh, as you know, we do Fabulous Fridays every Friday. And uh, we couldn't get into the studio, so we did a, uh, a phone, one-hour phone, on Monday. Um, said he'd see me Tuesday so he could put four more in the can. And then I'm driving back from the dentist on uh, <clears throat> Tuesday morning. And I got a call from his very dear friend, Neil Maloney, and as you know, uh, Boston Wrestling and the MWF, who started 20 years ago by Dan Marotti and um, Mr. Maloney, uh, Neil Maloney, uh, a dream for both young men. One man decided to continue while the other man uh, followed another venture but was still involved. And he said to me, hey, Johnny, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. I said, why would you call me, Neil? Is it about the show for the 16th? Or He said, no. He said, man, I, I don't know how to tell you this. I said, what does he need to tell me? Just spit it out. And he said, um, Dan died. And he, I just simply said to him, I said, I don't need a rib, man. I don't need a rib right now. And he said, no. No, he, um, he died last night. Um, I guess he was with his father. He went to the shower and then um, father heard a thud, called 911, and um, when they got there, he was unresponsive. John, so you know, I'm sorry, John. Uh, you know, many of the fans obviously knew Dan from his show. Uh, obviously, he had a lot of fans and he had his detractors, but the bottom line was is he had a nice, healthy following for a very long time. Uh, you know, the fans see just one side. They see, they see the on-camera Dan, uh, Dan Marotti. Can you tell us more about what, what was he really like? What was the personal side, you know, your thoughts on who he really was compared to on-camera? I worked with Dan Marotti for 16 years. Um, there was a situation that we got involved in um, where I didn't like what he did, and I walked away for three or four years. Um, I gave the eulogy at his funeral, and I will say the same thing to you that I, I basically said to everybody that was there. There's a side of Dan Marotti that nobody ever really saw, that nobody ever really knew. You know, you talk about followers. He has 523,000 followers. Um, that's a lot of people following a show around the world. There's a side to this man that people never truly saw. What they saw on camera was a young man, and I use the word young, 42, is very young to be called home. Um, he did what he did because he loved what he did. I was with him many times when he would raise money for the Special Olympics, something very near and dear to him. He started a program to keep kids off the street, money going there. We gave and we did as much as we could, and he did for Make-A-Wish. We started the Paul, or he did, I shouldn't use the word we, he did, uh, started the Paul Barra toy drive, an annual thing, in honor of somebody who we loved very, very much, uh, who called almost the second father, Bill Moody, Paul Barra. Um, Bill and I had a lot of chats, and, you know, he would talk about Dan, I would talk about Dan, and, 
You know, there were things that each one of us didn't like, but there were things about him that you had to love. The fact that he loved this business, the fact that he loved the people around him. I'm Italian, and you know the word familia is the most important word that I know. Familia is everything. He loved his family, and they loved him. You know, I, I said at that eulogy, if we get nothing else from what we see and have heard, take a lesson from this young man. Hold those you love close. Treasure them. Enjoy them. Hold no hate, animosity, or anger. Learn to forgive and be happy because we are only here such a short time. He was a very kind, giving person. Did he have a temper? I think we all have one of those. Um, certain things irked him, got under his skin. Um, I was the kind of a guy, and I think if you've seen any of the tapes, you see situations where I'd say, hey, 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 slow down, take it easy. Don't bring your dirty laundry out here. This is between you and whomever it is you're dealing with. You're right, Johnny, you're right. Um, there was a situation uh, where he was involved in a car crash with the Iron Sheik. I don't know if you are familiar with that situation or not. Mm -hmm. We are. He was really injured pretty bad by that. Um, there were days when he'd come to the studio um, <clears throat> that he would sit in that chair and we'd have to cut and get up because he was in so much pain. Um, I remember a call. Johnny said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's just killing me. The pain is too much. And so I had a cross, um, wooden cross, <clears throat> and I said, I'm going to bring you something touched to the, the hair of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Jeez, just wear it. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but just wear it. And I, a couple of weeks later, he said to me, I don't know what was in that cross, but I feel like a whole new person. And he got so attached to that. There was a religious side to this young man that I don't think anybody ever knew or ever saw. He got so attached to that that he lost it. He called me and asked, can you replace it? I didn't have any anymore. And um, so I had to go get another one for him. And that cross was buried with him um, the day of his uh, funeral on Saturday. So he was a religious man. He was a family man. He was a generous man. Um, he gave freely of himself. You know, I listen to all these stories uh, of people saying how he used people and how he abused people. I can only tell you this. I was never witness to any of that. I was witness to the fact that he treated everybody with respect and treated the same way that he was treated. You know, when you throw gas and start a fire, that's how somebody's going to treat you. So if we deal with a level head, and, and people don't realize some of the things that he actually went through. I, I'm going to be real upfront. You know, I guess maybe I'm telling stuff that people don't want to know or want to hear. Um, but, you know, he, he paid a wrestler up front to do a series of, of videos for him. The guy did two and took off with the rest of the money. Um, there's another situation of people booking the airline, saying we're going to show up, we're going to be there, go to the airport, and they never show wasn't easy. It's not easy being involved, being a promoter. The one fault that I had about the shows that he did, and, and I always used to say, Danny, please um, let everybody else know what's going on, because if anything should ever happen to you, there's no way it's going to go on. We can't find out what's happening. And that's, you know, a sad thing that's happened. The berserker has nothing but good words for him. 
You know, we did a lot with the Iron Sheik. I was there doing Paul Orndorff. I was there when we did Holly Race, uh, the Boogeyman. Treated with respect. Treated with the dignity they deserved. Um, did he have conflicts with other wrestlers? I imagine he did. I don't believe that you or I, Monty or the Pharaoh, have never, ever, have not have had a conflict with any of the individuals that we've, done, we've rubbed arms with. So being human is something we all need to recognize. You know, I heard Pharaoh talk about uh, Scott Hall, and uh, Scott Hall used to talk about perfection. And he almost quoted me because people, I have two sayings in my life about perfection. The first is that it's only through my imperfection that someday I hope to achieve perfection. And Scott Hall almost quoted me directly because the second one is there was only one perfect man that ever walked this earth and they crucified him. So, you know, Dan was a lot of things to a lot of people. He worked well with the handicapped kids that worked with him. Um, he trained a lot of people in how to do camera work. Um, he helped some of these young people. Todd Hansen, uh, who's on WWE now, is one of the Vikings. Um, he helped him do his promos. He pushed him. Um, there are other individuals with different shows, Impact. Um, you know, he worked with these people to help them get better. And I reiterate what I said before. We all have faults. We've all tripped. We've all fallen. We can never look backwards. You know, I'm a firm believer of taking the book of faults and gluing the pages together because you can't look back on them. Go forward and try to correct the things you did. He was making great progress in that area. Um, and then it was kind of like time was up. John, what do you think the future is? Uh, you know, cause I'm sure the fans are curious. What's the future of the uh, channel itself, if you have any idea at this point? I do, I guess. Uh, John, let's just, make it, let's, let's just make it a two-part question, right? Because the fans want to know as the, how much as they adore Dan and the channel. Uh, the, the future of the channel, along with MWF, what are we looking like? I will tell you this, um, several people have asked me if I would continue. There's only one Dan Marotti. Hmm. You know, uh, I respect you both very much, and I'm proud to call you friends, and you are my friends. Um, but Dan was a walking, wrestling encyclopedia. There is no way that anybody in my book, unless they're of the caliber he is, and we have two individuals there, uh, Charlie and Phil, who, who basically have the same um, knowledge, if you want to use that word. You could say to Dan, do you remember 1967 when, uh, and he'd go right into what you're talking about, give you the answers. And when he questioned people, he would like the Berserker talk about this match and that match. So as far as the TV show goes, um, I, 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 in my heart, I would like to see someone pick that up. I would like to be a part of that. I'm not sure that's going to happen. In terms of Boston Wrestling MWF, in terms of the promotions and the shows, um, I don't know who's going to do it. I really don't. I, I've offered to help. I've done promoting in the past. Um, I just don't. I just don't know. It's it's a void that's at this stage a question mark. I guess I have to say that this is up to the family as far as what they choose to do, because, you know, 
I'm going to digress for a moment, if I may. He started this 16, 20 years ago. He has video of superstars who are no longer here. He has superstars of the past, present, and future, a library that is absolutely unbelievable. He has memorabilia that you can't find anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen. I know that um, I know that a lot of us don't want to see it end, but it's up to the family now whether this will continue or it's finished. So again, I guess I answer without an answer because I don't have one. John, what is your relationship with the Marathi family currently? Like, you guys, are you guys tight? I mean, is this something that they'll discuss with you is involving the future of the uh, the channel, etc.? Or I wasn't tight with the family at all. I knew okay. his dad, okay. his father. Um, I met his brother at the wake, and, and his mother and mm -hmm. grandparents. Um, Neil Malonian, who is Dan's partner, mm -hmm. he and I had a few talks. I offered a few suggestions. Um, whether that will come to fruition or not, I really don't know. Okay. Uh, whether they ask me or not, I have no idea. If they do ask me, I'm truly honored. I was very honored when they asked me to do the eulogy. This is a tough question, John, so you don't have to answer, but um, the uh, the day of his funeral, uh, could you share what the, the mood was with the people? And uh, I'd really like to understand uh, how about his kids? I mean, what did, what, did, what did Dan share with you about his love for his children and how were, obviously his kids are affected terribly, but um, can you just maybe explain their relationship and how he was as a father? I guess I have to tread lightly. Um, first of all, Dan Marotti never married. Okay. Um, he did have a friend, and she had two children, mm -hmm. uh, Stephen and Brandon, and one of them he referred to as Little Marotti. <laughs> um, okay. I do not. I do not believe they were his biological biological children. I have no idea. I can only tell you this: that he treated those young men as though they were his own. Um, always taking them to Florida, always, I can't remember, little Marathi wanted a PlayStation 5, and Dan did everything in his power and finally got the PlayStation 5, took him to wrestling matches, you know, took him to the garden, um, just was so outreaching, so outreaching to these young men. Um, um, I don't know if they were there or not. The, mu the mood at the wake itself, um, Andy Wong, uh, Kowloon Restaurant in Saugus, which I'm still wanting to take you guys to, even though uh, Monty says it's going to close. Uh, it hasn't closed yet. <laughs> I thought we were banned. Wait a minute. <laughs> you see, yeah, you, always re you always remember what I say. I appreciate that. I, you know what? This is the name of the business. That's, that's how rappers, you know, and, and it appeals of faces when my managers remember. But, brothers, that door is still open, wow. and I'm still waiting. Nice. So if you want the best food in the world, come to the Colorado Saugus Mass. The mood at the wake was somber. The mood at the wake was one of shock. You know, um, it's like, I'll be very honest with you, and, and I usually don't get emotional. When I started that eulogy, I couldn't speak. 
I just started to cry. Um, and so it was like, I can't believe this. And I couldn't believe it was real, even when I went and I saw him in the casket. Um, you know, I heard all kinds of crazy stories about what happened, a car accident, not true. Well, sudden death, it's got to be suicide. Absolutely not true. Um, you know, um, this is insane, what people were saying. Insane. And um, But the mood, young people coming in, people that he, 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 he mentored, uh, wrestlers, people he worked with at the cable station, coming over and saying, hey, hey, John, you know, it's going to be quiet there in the morning now. We're not going to have all that action and all that talking. And um, then the day of the funeral, which was Saturday, um, you know, I thought, you know, usually when you have those types of situations, there are very few there. That funeral home, they I was with Father Hughes, um, who did the, the, uh, the, the service. And um, we were chatting in another room, finding out what we were going to say and do. And... Um, the funeral director, uh, Mr. Gately, came in and said, hey, guys, I'm sorry. I've got to take these other 30 chairs. That room was packed, mm. packed. And young and old, I will tell you, tears, a lot of tears. Um, but still, one of disbelief. So that was the mood of that funeral. You know, most people walk in and they'll go, oh, it's too bad, you know, this. No, that wasn't the way it was. It was most of the words you heard were, I can't believe it. I just talked to him. I, I can't believe it. This, this is not happening. And, John, um, John um, I was talking earlier about our friend J.J. McGuire. I don't know if you knew J.J. at all. Um, but all I could think about, and I told this to Farrow, was I'm very, very work-focused in my real life. And... A lot of times I allow a lot of friendships and a lot of families to get by because I'm constantly focused on work. And J.J. would always check on me. And many times I didn't pick up the phone because I was too busy. <clears throat> and when Dan passed, honestly, I, I, I thought about you because um, I knew how close you were to him. And I, and I thought to myself, does John have the same regrets that I have about J.J.? So I'm going to ask you, sir, is there any regrets that maybe you should have, that, that you wish you could have said to, to Dan or conveyed something differently? No, because everything I had, I said to his face. I never said anything behind the man's back. You know, I grew up on the streets, and um, I learned one thing. If you got something to say, say it to my face. Good, bad, or indifferent, say how you feel. And I was not afraid. I said, hey, you know, Dan, I don't like the way you're talking about this person. Stop. There was one incident that it was really going off on somebody. And when we had the break, I said, I'm going to tell you right now. If you keep this up, I'm walking off the set. Mm. I'm not tolerating this. Mm. And if he called, I always took his calls. No matter what time he called, I talked to him. Um, you know, and that's the kind of relationship he had. Um, his parents said to me the day of the wake and his brother, you know, he, 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 he just thought the world of you. Why? I don't know. I'm just a regular guy. Um, you know, I try to help out and do what I can. So no, I never ever, uh, regret what I did. When I walked away, I walked away for a reason. There was something going on. I did not like, and I made it very plain. I don't like it. 
And if this continues, I'm going to leave. And, you know, I don't think anybody believed that. Mm. But I made my stand and I said goodbye. And for four years, or three and a half years, I didn't show my face. And then I got a call. And you know what? To forgive or be forgiven, you first must forgive. That's the first rule. The second rule is hatred, anger, um, whatever is poison. Just be careful you don't drink your own poison. Mm -hmm. And so that relationship was established way back. And I think we had something that a lot of people perhaps don't have, but that was respect for each other. Respect to the point where you could tell me what you wanted to tell me, and I would listen. You know, we'd say, hey, Fabo, I don't like the way that's coming off. That's great, Dan, but let me turn around and say, I don't like the way you keep talking about this woman all the time on this podcast. It's not right. It's not right. Well, you know, Brutus uh, Barber spent a whole chapter. I don't really give a damn. It's no reason to bring that up here on this show, period. And so we had that kind of relationship. But we were the best of friends. You know, I said to somebody at that funeral, at that wake, I have five sons, as you know. Um, he was like my sixth son. Mm. He really was. It was how a hard, hard thing. John, how much time did wrestling take up on his schedule? I mean, was it, was he, did it burn him out, maybe? I, I wrestle with this, you know, not that there's a pun on words, but uh, how much time did he put into this whole thing? Okay, I'm going to tell you because a lot of fans don't understand how much time he actually put in on this. Okay. He got to the studio at 9 o'clock. He would leave most times at 8. Sometimes he was there till 2 in the morning. Okay. Putting the, putting the footage together, booking the flights, um, you know, doing. I know that when the Berserker came in, uh, they would take probably, uh, they'd start around, I don't know, let's say 1 o'clock finish up at 7, and then they would start another one. Uh, Sundays, he always did a watch-along. This Sunday was supposed to be WrestleMania 37 watch-along, and we all know that didn't happen with the Berserker. He's, he, when I tell you that this man dedicated his life to the fans and to the people, the men and women involved in professional wrestling, he did. When I tell you he spent hours, hours at that studio... It's not one day a week, not five days a week, seven days a week. That's what he put into it. You know, he and I, I'm going to digress again, he and I always go back and forth because he hated female wrestling. And I, I call him down all the time. But, you know, he used to spend hours, hours to the point where I give a call, go home. I'm going home, Dan. See you. Bye. Um, and he's still there. He'd still be working. Uh, speaking of female wrestlers, yeah, I hate to you know throw one out in left field, but you know I come from left field. Uh, did you see that ridiculous cage match last night, Mister? I love women's wrestling on AEW. No. By any chance? Oh, he didn't see it. I did. Uh, so I did if not. I make fun of it, he's not going to even know what I'm making fun of. Well, John, 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 John you didn't miss much. Did. Yeah, so. little I fake blood. I, I, you know, <laughs> was there blood? Yeah, there was. There was blood. It dried up. She tried to rub it on her belly afterwards, but it was all dry because you know, the fake stuff dries up fast. You know, <laughs> am I am I being uh, too uh, upfront about this, Mike? Hey, John, uh, Rick hey. B's asking. Miss nothing. Uh, April sixteenth. Is there a possibility that show is going to come off? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I'm being very honest with you. Okay. Um, I don't know. 
How about getting your thoughts real quick, if we can, on uh, Razor Ramon, the great Scott Hall, and if you've, uh, you know, come across him over the, you know, the years, and your thoughts on his passing? Yes, I did come across him. Autograph signings. Uh, we did uh, big-time wrestling. Uh, we had a couple of shows with Scott Hall. Scott Hall was a wonderful human being. He had his demons, as you said earlier. Uh, Monte, I believe you alluded to it. Uh, we all have our demons, every one of us. And Scott Hall, Jake the Snake Roberts have both proved that you can beat whatever it is you have if you have the guts and the desire to admit you have it and then go forward to heal it. Scott Hall was a man's man. He was a gentleman. He was educated. And the same thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll applaud you, uh, Pharaoh, because when I went down signing autographs, he was with uh, uh, Nash and uh, Waltman, and we were talking in the hotel lobby, and he said, you know, you got a kid in the business, too. And I said, yeah. He said, and so, by the way, how's your son? And that was it. Right. He worshipped mm. his son. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody from the WWE, and um, they said that when he was wrestling, he thanked God that he had time off because he could go home and spend time with his son. Scott Hall was truly blessed, and, and, and I, I agree with everything you said. He understood this business. He understood it well. And, and you know, Farrell, I'm going to side with you. NWO, the standout in that whole group, Scott Hall. Yeah. No question my yeah, friend. He no was the magical, was magical factor. Person. John, I'm going to throw a baseball yep. comparison out there. I know that you'll get it, but some folks at home might be too young for this. Is Scott Hall the Kurt Flood of professional wrestling? Because Kurt Flood was the first one to stand up for free agency in baseball and changed everything. I mean, I think, is that a fair analogy, that Scott Hall is the Kurt Flood of pro wrestling? I'd probably go with that. Yeah, he wasn't afraid to do any of that, man. I'll tell you. You know, uh, you got to really admire this man for who he was, what he did for the business and the people around him. That's what people failed to look at. You know, he was a courageous man, courageous man. And I tell you, I'm going to miss him. I think the fans will miss him. And there again, I make my point. You know, if you've got a chance to see these men and women, if your family, your distance from them, get back with them, patch things up. Because here's the time again when I tell people, you know, Life is like a candle, and you never know when God's going to send a breeze. Mm. You know, John, we were talking earlier, we talked about Hall, and, you know, if a person gets a chance to reflect on their lives, I would think that Hall would have some regrets, just like everybody, but in the end, he'd look in the mirror and say, you know what, I made a difference. You think Dan feel, would feel the same way? Yes, I do. I think Dan Maradian... You know, made a big difference to a lot of people, regardless of what I read on the the internet or some of the comments that were made after he passed away. Those people should be ashamed of themselves. They didn't even know the man. Uh, Dan made a difference to those kids from Special Olympics. Who would do a wrestling show and invite 150 kids? Come, get free T-shirts. You know, I mean, he made a big impact, a big difference on a lot of lives. He really did. Well, I could tell you, Farrow and I were talking, and when you see the comments, uh, you know, this has been a, a rough couple of years for a lot of families and a lot of people between COVID and everything else that's been going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And when you see comments saying that Dan Marotti saved my life because I had nothing except Boston wrestling, um, 
can you say? Kudos. Yeah. Kudos what to him. What can you say? Um, again, uh, like I said last week, you know, um, I didn't really know Dan. I just knew some dealings that happened, but um, I uh, I really hope for the fans and for a lot of people that somehow that channel and the MWF will continue. And I know this is new and there's a lot of pain, but um, we're hoping that maybe you're the man that can guide this. I'm willing to do anything and everything I can to make sure it it stays. But I'll be honest with you. um, Nobody can ever fill his shoes, ever. Um, Maybe Phil Desiree and Charlie, who are the walking books of encyclopedia like Dan was, maybe we can get them involved if the family desires to do it. Um, It's all in the family's hands now. You know, it may be the fact where, where his partner is saying, look, I wasn't involved in this whole law. You know, Dr. David Reese out of California, he was involved. Um, he's now with AEW with their wellness program. Um, you know, maybe they want to keep it going. It's so up in the air right now. It's very difficult um, to say that it's going to go forward. Some people are saying it's the end. Okay, if it's the end, then it's the end. Um, I believe that every end has a beginning. And I don't think, personally in my heart, that it should stop. I really don't. Uh, but try to find somebody to fill that is going to be hard. I'm honored that people have asked me if I would consider. Um, I'll do anything I can. I'll help any way I can. Um, but I I don't think I have um, the talent to do what this young man did and the hours he put into it. Who's going to put all those tapes together and all those videos and, and spend hours flying in these people and Asking the pertinent questions, it's just its just tough work. It's tough work. It's a full-time job. So well, I pray that it will continue, but it's up to the family. Well, we're, hope, we're hoping that's the case, that something gets worked out. You know, again, you can't – no one can fill Dan's shoes, but uh, I imagine that the combination of the people that you mentioned and yourself, I, I, I really do think that something could be done. Um Boston Wrestling had its cast of characters, right? You had Tony Atlas, you had a Marty Jannetty. Uh, there's one guy that was on there, Oscar. Did you have any opportunity to talk to Oscar? And if you did, uh, can you share that discussion with the fans? Oscar and I are good friends. Did you know he's a guy from Men on a Mission? Yep. Uh, Men on a Mission. We've talked several, several times. Uh, he had his Monday night show with Dan Marotti. I have not talked to Oscar since Dan's passing. I have no idea how he's impacted or affected. How about how about something super positive? What's your favorite memory of uh, your years working with uh, Boston Wrestling? You have a particular night that you can think of that just makes you smile from ear to ear? They were all interesting. I suppose I suppose my favorite night was the night that uh, Bill Moody, um, Paul Barra, mm-hmm. came into the ring, and I had decided that was a night that I had enough. And so um, Devon Dudley was there, and he was going to, you know, I was going to manage someone. And um, Paul was shooting back and forth, and I grabbed the stick from him and said, you know, I really don't give a damn what any of you say. I'm just telling you right now, and I'm looking right at you, little man up there with the glasses and the goatee. I quit, and I walked out. That was the most memorable. 
as far as me as a heel. Um, I suppose the most enjoyable nights I've had, and there were a lot of them, was working with people that I watched on TV. Bill Moody, the, uh, you know, Paul Bera. I just did a thing with uh, um, one of the sheep herders. I've worked with Tito Santana. I've worked with Kamala, Veda. Such a rewarding time. You know, I, it's, I find it very, very difficult for me to sit here and say, give me the highlight of one of the best nights you've ever had. Um, I, I really can't because they were all so memorable and so enjoyable. Well, that's a good problem to have. Uh, you mentioned Vader. Uh, what's your thoughts on him finally getting into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame? Isn't it about time? Oh, Isn't it about time? I'm, I'm, looking, okay. I'm looking at some of these clowns that are getting <laughs> on my thing. I mean, I, that's why I can't do the show. I, I, you know, yeah. I, I just yeah. say the field. Um, you know, there are some people being inducted into this thing. Yeah. Vader worked his ass off. He was hard. He worked hard. Um, I did a couple of shows with him. He was a good performer. Um, and, you know, for them to pass over people like this man, um, to me, was a sad day. And I would say that. I made no bones about it. Some of the shows I did with him. Um, I think it's well-deserved. And, again, I reiterate, it's about time. Because the Hall of Fame, is for those people who worked for the betterment of the business, the betterment of the fans, to bring them what they really wanted, true professional wrestling, went out every night, put their lives on the line so that they could enjoy it. Vader was one of those people. He was massive. He was awesome. But beyond the character, he was a gentleman, a true gentleman. John, we're almost out of time. Um, I'd like you to close us out with uh, maybe some final words about Dan and maybe uh, what would you like to say to him if he was still with us and you had an opportunity to give him some final last words. You know, I guess I could say this for Scott Hall, for J.J., and for Dan Marotti. Ernest Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway wrote a book. And the book was called For Whom the Bell Tolls. And today, the bell tolls for Scott Hall, for J.J., and for Dan Marotti. Listen quietly. Hear the ring and share the memories. If Dan was still here, I think we'd still be laughing and fooling. I still think my words would be the same to him. Dan, cool down. Slow down. Don't take things personal. This is not about you, my friend. Relax. Relax, please. And I had him laughing, and we'd go back and forth. And I think that's what I would keep saying to him. You don't realize how hot it is. Dan, slow down. A lot of us here to help. Let us... Let us help. So one thing he never had to do was delegate. He could never delegate. And that would be one thing I would tell him. And again, don't let things get to you. Don't take it personal. Walk away. Take the high road. Andy Wong would always say, take the high road. Take the high road. Walk away. You know, we all know about the incident he had with our favorite guy, and he's a great friend. Walk away. Walk away in peace, and it ends in peace. No need to start a war. No need. And those are the things I would tell him. And, you know, slowly he was understanding. 
slowly. And I guess that's the way I'd leave him. You know, on the back of his um, prayer card, I'm just going to read you what they put on here, if I may. Those who we love must someday pass beyond our present sight, must leave us and the world we know. Without their radiant light, we know that like a candle, their loving light will shine to brighter up another place, more perfect, more divine. And in the realm of heaven, where they shine so warm and bright, our Lord, one life forevermore in God's eternal light. And I believe that's where they all are. I'm sure that Marathi's up there trying to tell Peter how to run the friggin' gates. And if he gives him any trouble, he's going to put it on TV and talk about what a slob he was and how he forgot to get the golden key. Scott Hall, as you said earlier, Pharaoh, is going to walk up to the gate and say, Hey, Peter, it's a wonderful place up here, but I want them gold toothpicks. And J.J. I'm sure is writing a song about how great heaven is. So for all of us, we should sit back and say, as Bob Hope says, and includes Dan Marotti, Scott Hall, JJ, all the other ones that went before us. Thanks for the memories. Mr. Cena, you're a class act, and we want to thank everybody for joining us. I'm glad we could call you a friend and prayers to the three gentlemen you just mentioned. Mr. Cena, send us out, please. That's on you, John. Send us home. <laughs> I don't know how to send you home except say thank you. I love you guys tremendously. You truly are my friends, and I do. Do wait for the day you call and say you're in Saugus. Let's go to the Kowloon. And to all the fans of Monty and the Pharaoh and those fans of Boston Wrestling and NWF, thank you for the memories. It's only the beginning, only the beginning. And Monty and the Pharaoh, again, thank you so much for allowing me to come on and talk about my dear friend, Dan Marotti. <laughs>